Solomon 2.0 is inspiring the next generation of hospitality leaders. Listen to this week's episode to hear the story of Howard and Deborah Solomon, industry veterans who have used digital media to grow their consulting business. I'm Sean Walchef, and you're listening to Digital Hospitality, the podcast where we help business owners develop a mobile-first internet strategy by sharing stories of innovative brands and personalities who are outranking the competition in search results. You are only as good as the people around you. If the leadership team is lacking, the business will as well. According to the National Restaurant Association, the hospitality turnover rate rose to a post-recession high of 74.9% last year. On this episode, I visited Howard and Deborah Solomon at their home in La Jolla, California to talk about improving the culture of a business, inspiring millennial staff to dream big, and why they implemented video into their consulting company. Even Sam the Cooking Guy, who recently surpassed 1 million YouTube subscribers, has been inspired by Howard and Deborah Solomon. Every week, it is our job to bring you compelling guests that will add value to your business. We know how valuable your time is. As a small thank you for that time, we will be giving away a prize for answering a homework assignment based on the episode at the end of the show. All you have to do is email podcast at calibbq.media and the prize could be yours. This week's episode is sponsored by Up and Go, a mobile payment solution for restaurants that we use right here at Cali BBQ in Spring Valley. And remember, if we can't tag you online, we can't pimp you online. Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. And today we are going to start with a story. So I am a member of the California Restaurant Association and they put out an email that they were doing a fit program, which is a force in training. And they were asking local restaurant um, leaders to come and help a high school with a program that they were doing to help them get prepared for the workforce, um, to help them with their resume, all people that were excited about culinary. And um, I volunteered to be part of the program. And that led us to today's guest, which is Howard and Deborah Solomon of Solomon Leaders 2.0. Couldn't be more excited to have you guys on this podcast. Uh, This has been a long time coming. I know we tried to get you on the Behind the Smoke podcast, but now um, this is... uh, very exciting to be here at La Jolla, which is about a hundred, about a hundred yards away from where I graduated high school, the yep. Bishop's School, um, just just right up the road here. So, welcome to Digital Hospitality. Uh, pleasure to have you uh, have you on today. Thank, Thank you. you very much. If yeah. you think we're excited, you're excited. We're twice as excited. As you are. <laughs> well, um, this is this is something that's really cool because. For a hundred episodes of doing behind the smoke, I found that I have a a real burning desire to share stories about people that are doing things, especially now in 2019, that are helping leaders move into this new digital age that we're going to be living in. And when I met you both, we both sat down um, at Cali Comfort in Spring Valley. Um, You came out for breakfast. It was really just to talk about the syllabus, how we were going to help the children. 
I thought that we were going to have maybe a half an hour conversation, and I think I think you ended up staying about three hours. Yeah, way past dessert. <laughs> it was way past dessert. Um, I think that's just something special in hospitality and in life that when you meet people that you feel a connection to, you're able to share stories, and we were able to do that in that breakfast. Um, I was so impressed with both of you with what you were doing with your new company, and I hope you could uh, just give the lead, uh, the listeners just an idea of what uh, Solomon Leaders 2.0 is what the vision is. Okay, great. You know, first of all, before we start, I, I got to tell you that, you know, we love you. We love what you're doing. We love the barbecue. We love your podcast. And we believe that you're making an impact um, in the hospitality space. And that's that's great to see because that's one of our goals um, with Solomon Leaders is to, is to make an impact, um, especially with young people um, who are just starting off in their managing businesses and leading other people uh, to give them the skill sets and the tools that they need to be successful. Um, so we have... Um, Agreed. We have developed some, <laughs> we've developed some, uh, some uh, coaching programs and some mentoring tools. Um, and our, our main focus is on, on young people um, to give them the skills that they need to be great leaders. What we found is um, oftentimes these days, you know, people don't grow up and say, hey, I want to be a restaurant manager. You know, the, the hours are, are long and, and, you know, there's this work-life balance thing, which is really important. Um, I wish I had it when I was younger. <laughs> um, so people are deterred, for, you know, from doing it. Um, so what ends up happening is people become really good food servers and they become trainers and then they become key holders. And then owners and operators believe that they can manage the business, which is true. They probably can. They, they understand the checklist of how to open and how to close and they're very detail oriented. But then when it comes time to managing people or leading people or inspiring people or motivating people, they really don't have the skill sets to do that. Um, the only skill they have is to look back at their past life and see who inspired them and try to copy them. But we have, you know, Deborah and I have developed these hard um, core values in teaching people, you know, how to do that. Um, how did the idea of the company come to be? Because I know you have a background, Deborah, in uh, public education. Yes. So um, I really, um, probably about, I'd say, four years ago, um, I had this great desire to um, get into coaching students. So I was working at a middle school at the time, at Meadowbrook Middle School in Poway. And um, I just loved the, the whole process of um, helping kids. Um, I work with a lot of kids that were, um, you know, they came from homes that maybe they didn't get the... Um, the best advice or you know they were latchkey kids they were coming into the house alone and didn't really have those parents to be able to like bounce things off of um, so I was kind of that person they would come in and they'd come see me I'd, I was in the office I worked in the administration part of the office and they would come in and we'd have conversations and um, I realized that um, I just so had this passion to work with kids and, and help them so I kind of just started to explore more about you know what I could do to um, help them with organizational skills, things like that, because I really saw kids coming in where they, um, you know, didn't have their homework done and they didn't know um, what their what what their next test was, and they you know just there were so many things that they just were missing on those um, organizational skills. So I just started to look into. Um, 
you know, what was out there to do for uh, coaching and see if there was something I could do for kids. And I realized I, I, as I looked, I found that there was um, some programs that were um, online courses that I could take. And I um, went in and I started to take them and it became, um, the first one that I went into, it was more for kids with ADHD. Mm -hmm. So because our son had ADHD and I thought, oh, this would be a great way for me to be able to help kids because when he had it, I didn't realize that he had it at a, at a young age. And so this was my opportunity now to like be able to help students, maybe not my own kid, but help them with that. Um, so I took a course and I actually went off to uh, Washington DC where the course was and I took a three day intensive training course for that. And it was amazing. I learned so much, and then I learned the, all of the coaching skills. So I decided to further my career in that and, and learn more about executive coaching, mm -hmm. um, where it took me to leadership coaching. So, and then I realized, wow, there's this whole world out there in that you can coach people just through conversation. And as you talk to them in conversation, you realize that you pull things out of them that they don't even realize that they know themselves. They sure. have the answers within themselves. They just don't realize it until you're able to pull it out. So it became more about the listening aspect of it. And that's kind of what we teach when we when we teach our people now. It's, yeah. it's all about listening and listening to people and what they have to say. And then bringing those by asking specific questions bringing that out of them, yeah. bringing those answers out. So who was listening to who when the idea for the company started? <laughs> we both became better listeners. Yes, we yes. both, yes. Um, well, we've worked really, really well together. So we actually met. Which is um, a challenge for a husband yes, and wife. Yes, it is. Yes. It is. That, well, actually how we met, we met um, when uh, back in 1988, um, the Hard Rock Cafe in La Jolla was opening up down on Prospect Street. Wow. Just so right I, down the so street. I, I just drove past Hard Rock Cafe, yeah. which is now Better Buzz, Better yes. Buzz. which is an incredible company, right. and they're taking over San Diego. Yes. yes, but it's so impressive, and like that's one of the things is Hard Rock was such an iconic brand. But you guys met in 1988. Yes. Yep. So tell me about that. Yeah. So we met in 1988. There was a huge long line outside the Hard Rock. There was probably about 2,400 people, I think, that were trying to get a job there. Really? Uh, yes. Oh, so grand opening. Grand opening. Yeah. Okay. Yes, opening staff. And um, I uh, went there with a friend, and then we um, stood in line, um, and then I got an interview. And the in my first interview with, was with a manager named Jim Killam. And he interviewed me first, and they said, all right, I want you to move on to the next stage of the interview, and I'm gonna have you meet Howard. <laughs> so his name's Howard Solomon. Solomon. I'm like, okay. So I met with him, and he was super cocky. He was like, just sitting. <laughs> this, is, this is where, <laughs> I don't I really remember this that. Is, That's what this I want, is the party super doesn't cocky. Remember. Yeah. So he had a long uh, ponytail. A ponytail? Yeah, oh, ponytail we got to get some going. photos in the yes. show notes. Yeah, I got to awesome. see that. And an earring. Yeah, and an earring. And then he was like sitting there with his uh, feet up, kicked up on the desk. That is not true. Ponytail and earring. The ponytail and the earring is you have, true. You have a photo of that, right? Yeah. Oh, we're putting that yeah, in the show but notes. The, sure. But the feet kicked up on the desk. I don't <laughs> think that that happened. That's a little okay, big so fish. It, it did happen. It, it's not big fish. <laughs> and um, so I had gone to Nordstrom's that day. And I had gotten myself an outfit because mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I want to look my best and everything. So this is, remember, this is in the 80s. So this I had the true. big, I had the big curly <laughs> hair. Um, and then I had, um, I wore a polka dotted dress and I put on a pearls. I'm from La Jolla. I grew yes, up in La Jolla, right? Absolutely. So I had to have my, that's how we, that's my how pearls. We do things. Right. <laughs> so I show up for the interview and he says, well, we really, really like you, you know, at the end of the interview. And you're going on to the next stage of the interview, but I have to say, please don't wear polka dots and pearls. This is the hard rock. <laughs> it's the hard rock, right? <laughs> Look at me. Take from my example. I've got a ponytail and earring. <laughs> 
That's so yeah. funny. So that's no how, way. That was our first. That was the that's first. A, that's, that's how we first met. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. What What did Hard Rock do to gain such a buzz? Was it because of the rock star? Was it because of timing? Yeah. I mean, if you look you know, back on it now, part like, of what, I mean, that's a lot of people lined up for an open interview. Yeah. Obviously, Prospect La Jolla, that's a huge deal. I think those are the things that maybe attracted people to an ad mm-hmm. in the paper to comply for a job. But people stayed at the Hard Rock for a long time. Um, you know, grew up in the Hard Rock, you know, found someone they love at the Hard Rock and married them, you know, all through the Hard Rock. And that was because, mostly because of the Hard Rock culture. You know, hired, hired and trained and developed great people that believed in the brand, that believed in the same things that the Hard Rock believed in. A lot of things that were pretty unpopular, you know, back then. One of them is love all, serve all. You know, this, you know, everybody's created equal. There are no lines. Hosp- true hospitality. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But we're here e- to serve. Even even in the close knit group of people that there were no lines between, you know, ethnicity and religion and um, sexuality and, and everything else that we we're all one family, regardless of, you know, what what the law says of, you know, race, creed, color, natural or like. And that was sure. true. You know, we could say that as a country back then, but the country really didn't believe it. It was fringe. It was more of a counterculture movement, yeah. movement, yeah. so to speak. Yep. And it was easier. It's always easier to do in the rock and roll, in the music side, and on the hospitality side, yep. than it would be, you know, just in mainstream. Yeah. So once people came, but you and, gravitate to it. Exactly, and you, and then you, you love it so much that you stay. So once people were hired and they and they learned the culture, I mean, it became this unbelievable family respect from a work relation standpoint. I mean, it was one of those places that, and restaurants themselves struggle with this, hospitality struggle, you know, where there's this division between the heart of the house and the front of the house. Yes. You know, there's two separate worlds operating within one. One house. And the Hard Rock really, you know, at a young age, I learned, you know, about that one house. You know, it's, it's a great word that you just used. And it was those kinds of things that really made it you know, one of my first lessons of great culture, yeah, um, and took lots of notes. And I was a student of that culture learning. And the interesting thing was, I just learned this about three or four years ago. I went to a, um, I went to a Hard Rock reunion of all the OGs, the original people. Oh, nice! Um, and I remember <laughs> just a, a really short story. Great stories there. I remember um, the first the first general manager meeting that we had was with four. GMs, uh, myself and three others, yeah. at the owner's home in Beverly Hills. No way. And that was like the first, you know, and you look at this huge company now. Sure. Like, and that was the first, you know, GM meeting. But That's incredible. My boss, his name is Jim Reese, who lives in Las Vegas now. He's the, the operator of all the Hash House of Go-Go's across the country. Um, he told a story that I was just blown away by. Like, I had no idea. And I had done, uh, I had opened up six of seven Hard Rocks. Wow. Um, All here on the West Coast? Six and seven years. Uh, One in Sydney, Australia. Oh, wow. Really? A couple in Hawaii. And these are huge operations. Yes. I mean, we're talking how many many employees to open up? You know, almost uh, between 70 and 100. 70 to 100 employees. Wow. That's incredible. And he said, you know, one of the reasons why, he goes, do you know why we had you go from city to city and move you once a year and do all these openings 
And I said, yeah, I was a, I was a cheap move. I owned a bed <laughs> and a boombox and a TV and my clothes. And it was cheap to move me and I was single. And You were dedicated to the brand. Yeah, and he goes, no. And I go, oh. He goes, you understood us. And you held the culture, you held the people accountable to the culture. And we knew that if you went to a new opening that it would be just like the previous one. Mm -hmm. And you were the single person that kept our culture in place, opening after opening after opening, which is almost impossible and ex for sure extremely difficult to do as companies grow. Sure. I think and I felt really good about it, right? you know? And then I said, geez, it took you 25 years to tell me that? <laughs> 25 years later, you finally get the pat I on the back. I finally got my purpose. Yeah, right? right? That's so, was that when you guys decided, was that a, like, I still want to know about this, the, the, the conversation. That we had. Because every, every, okay, every so husband really and wife, every business partner, yeah. there's a conversation. Yeah. It's like, you nudge each other in bed, like, I've got this idea. Like, yeah. that's a crazy idea. Yeah. So, well, it goes, it, it goes back a little. So we, we went to the Hard Rock. We first met there. We yeah. worked together, right? Then after that, several years went by where we had children and all of that. Were you dating at so, the Hard Rock? We dated at the Hard Rock. Okay. So they, it was very secretive. Uh -huh. We didn't tell anybody. Against corporate culture. Yes, it was. Still, even in that. Yes, absolutely. Still, to, still today, we pretend like we, pre we pretend like uh, hospitality <laughs> people don't fall in love. Yeah, <laughs> we spend all our time in in, in restaurants. Yeah, in exactly. Restaurants. Where else are you yeah. supposed to meet people, right? So thus you sin yeah. and yeah. you just pray for well, forgiveness later. Yeah. So we exactly. dated. We dated probably for a good like five months, I yeah. think. Yeah. Before um, we started to tell people that we were dating, and yeah. everybody was so happy for us. They're like, "Oh, we're just so happy for you mm -hmm. guys. This is great. It makes sense." Yeah, but his boss wasn't so happy. So his boss had basically said, you know, one of you is going to have to quit. Um, and then Howard jokingly said, okay, I'll quit. And he's like, yeah, that's not, <laughs> he's like, knowing, yeah, that's not who well, I was they're not thinking. letting you go. Yeah. yeah. So I was actually going to be going traveling with my girlfriends to Europe for the summer. And I said, can you just at least let me finish off until I have to, you know, go to Europe? And I'm, I have a couple months left. So they said, sure. And then we, at that point, when I got back from Europe, I had to go find my own job and go, mm -hmm. you know, go go out and do that. And then shortly thereafter, he proposed to me. So we 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 actually probably from the time that we met until we got married, it had been like less than two years. Yeah. So when yeah, you so came we met back, in '88, we got married in '90. When you came back yeah. from Europe, he proposed. He did. He yeah, knew. He was knew. Too long. You were gone for too long. Yes. Well, if I was going to break. I was gone six weeks, and we were like, the whole entire trip, and my girlfriends and I still joke about this today, that like I was on the streets of Paris crying, saying how I wanted to go home because I missed Howard so much. That's that part's crazy. true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, if, you're gonna, if you work for a company like the Hard Rock, and you're going to break like... The, the cardinal rule, yes. right? It better be with somebody that you love and it's you're forever. Marry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it was. And so I'll speed up the story because he wants to know how we actually did this now, how we got to where we are. So then we ended up um, having our children. We moved to Las Vegas because Peter Morton from the Hard Rocks. Moving said, your children to Las Vegas. Well, we, a, I'm sorry, we had our kids in Las. We had Jesus first, one, Las, I, first one in Las Vegas. I'm going way too. I'm jumping way too fast. Um, Peter Morton moved, wanted Howard to open up the Hard Rock in Las Vegas. Which is the first Hard Rock in Las Vegas. Yes. Yeah. Where Where was it located? It was, it was on Harmon and Paradise. So it was a separate, not tied to a casino? It, at, that, at that point, no. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was actually um, the second highest grossing restaurant in the country. How much are we talking? About 20 million. 20 million. Yeah. In one the, location. In one location. The Unbelievable. One, yeah. The How one much square that, footage? Uh, I want to say... 56 56 yeah, oh small. my gosh that's incredible <laughs> yeah. that's some serious tiny. volume yeah. and the, the restaurant that that beat us was the hard rock in orlando 
which was almost 10,000 square feet. Wow. And that was like 22 million. So, so per square footage you were dominating. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. How many hours a week are you working? Oh geez, 60 plus? <laughs> Easy. You know, at least. Is that just your standard answer, 60 yeah, plus? 60 Cause plus. I, Cause I don't count them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was one of those things where, you know, we actually opened up the doors early, you know, every day. Because people were waiting. People to get were in. lined up. Yeah, it's incredible. And it was it was a beautiful thing because you know two o'clock in the afternoon. It's you're in a city that never sleeps, so two o'clock in the afternoon, people are getting up and they want to eat. You know, two o'clock in the afternoon, three o'clock in the afternoon, people are just get, starting out their day and they're coming there to eat. So there was this this normal dead zone in the restaurant. You know, from two to four, four thirty till happy hour starts. I mean, we were busy. We we're almost full. Sure. So we were full all the time. I mean, it's it's incredible. The concept is just incredible yeah. when you take a step back and think about what they did with, you know, blending rock and roll culture, yep. museum, the history. You, every single location, you're celebrating artists, yep. right? And you're using the artist to open up places, correct? And this is before social media. So oh, yeah. it's before, you know, the power, the exponential power that they have to get yep. that PR and that buzz. But people were still there, yep. lined up. Yep. Yeah. 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 It was a great experience. So after, so then we were in Vegas. We were only supposed to be there for six months, was what I was told. <laughs> just a little. Just to clarify that, I was told that too. Yes. It's just not like I lied to you. No, no, no. Correct. We, that's, what we, Correct. that's what we were told. Leaps of faith. Yes. yes. So we ended up being there almost five years, um, and our son was born there. So the best thing that came out of Las Vegas yes. was him. But living in Las Vegas was not not so much fun for me. Yes. Um, Taking a girl from La Jolla to Las Vegas. I, yeah. I don't know how you do it. You're, you're a very strong man. Yes. <laughs> So we ended up getting back to San Diego, and um, eventually we started our own company called The Solomon Group. And um, we had that business for um, approximately 14 years. And the focus? And the focus of that was consulting, and then we also had developed a secret shopper program. Awesome. Um, and Ex we are one explain of, the secret, yeah. secret shopper program. So we were one of the very first companies to actually um, create a website, so it was all web-based. Because um, when we first started, we used to do them um, by hand. Like we'd have people go sure. to a restaurant, they would go um, eat in the restaurant, they'd evaluate the service, so you'd, the you'd food. Hire, you'd hire somebody that came in to an organization to give them actual real feedback. Correct. Yeah. 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 And usually Secret customer shopping. guest feedback customer guest. Yes. from the actual yes. guest. Yeah. So at first it was sort of like just our friends. Hey, can you go eat at this restaurant sure. for us and uh, we'll give you a free meal for it. Mm -hmm. that, that's how it first started. And we didn't really think that it was going to become a business. It never really had that in, intent to it. It was just sort of, it sort of just snowballed into that. Yeah. Um, and then um, next thing we knew we were developing a website and it was all database, what the year? whole thing. Um, that was in 1998. So right there. Yeah. Y2K. I graduated yep. from Y2K. That's when the internet stopped. Yep. At least, at least allegedly. <laughs> supposedly. That's what, was, supposed that's what to, I was right? told. Yeah. And yes, the world we was thought gonna everything was going to blow up, but all of us were holding our breath that yeah, night. Yeah. Correct. Um, so I learned a lot. We both did. We both learned a lot about developing a website. We worked with web developers. You have no background. And, and, no background at all. Yeah. But I just really, I've always been one of those people that's been very, um, I like to dabble in things and mm -hmm. just sort of learn things. I was one of those kids that used to like, I was so interested in the telephone that I'd like pull the cords apart and find all the little wires and how does this thing work and how, why is this one a push button and this one's a dial and how do you make it, how can I make that, that dial one like the push button one? I, don't, I was very, so anyways. Um, I 
um, explored with the website and I was I really got into the back end of it as well and started to learn Smart. that part you know as well with with the web developer and really worked closely and to it's hard that. it's humbling oh, yeah because you realize how much you don't know yeah I mean I think that's one of the things that you know especially with this podcast is we're living in a digital age and people you either have to embrace that you don't know and get over yep. that fact and then just try to learn. Yeah. I mean, you just told me you just got a brand new iPhone. Yeah. And I remember I would resisted iPhones when they first came out in two, only 2007. But I was told, you know, it's the best thing. I resisted it. And then now I once I got it, I was like, oh, my God, I still don't know how to use I it. I totally agree. It took a couple of <laughs> weeks. I'm, I'm learning but, every day, you know. But, but learning is and then yeah. you, it empowers you. Yes. Oh, my yeah. gosh, look what I can do. Yeah. I can publish. I can, you know, I can send this link out and I can do send an email newsletter. I can put something on Facebook. I mean, it's it's absolutely incredible. And you're learning that before 2000. Yes. Yeah. You know, with your company, yes. which is really, really yeah. cool. Yeah. And so we developed this amazing website and the website basically was, um, it had a front end and a back end and on the back, on the, on the back end portion of it is where I, um, would basically schedule all of our, all of our shoppers. Um, so they could go, we, we would go in, we'd put in the, um, report, like when is it need to be completed? Um, the shopper would then go in on their end of it and they'd have a username and password. They'd go in and they'd be able to see all the shops that were available. So they'd see a calendar. Nice. They'd go in, they'd log in, see, oh, there's this shop happening on this day. Self-scheduling. Yeah. Wow. Nice. And it became a nationwide thing. We ended up having cool. accounts that were huge national accounts. So we had people working for us all over, all the way even through Puerto Rico. Well, nothing, I mean, um, nothing's more important yeah. for a restaurant owner than feedback. Yep. Yeah. I mean, before, in the days before the internet, we're, you know, we're begging someone to write a, a, a comment card, right? Yeah. Unless they said something. But you know, now we live in a world where you can Yelp, you can tweet, you can put it on Google, you yep. know, whatever, whatever. But the real feed, it's, we need feedback. Yes. Yep. Because it's, you know, no matter, no matter how much it might hurt, hey, these systems might need to change. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that set us apart from maybe other people that were doing it is our approach to, to the shopper report was, you know, to help you learn. Yes. And learn from your mistakes. Yes. And teach people where I think some other companies were more about, oh, you got this bad report, you're in trouble, here's Discipline. your write-up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, ours was you know, about catching people doing, doing things, things right. right. So that. they do the do right things right better and more often. There you go. I love that. I mean, that's the that's always the biggest fear is you know well, why am I getting this information? Like, do you need an incident report? Like, because yeah. something happened? Like, no. We just like the more information we have, the easier it is to figure out. You know, was there different fact? Were there variables that happened in that steps of service that caused us to to fail? Yep. And once you know that, it's not about who that X server was. It's how do we teach all of our servers and all of our hosts and all of our managers to be aware that this, hey, this has actually happened a couple times. Right. What can we do to change that? Right. And when we go back to coaching, just to tie into what, what Deborah said about coaching in the very beginning, is through the coaching method, people are able to think back on that situation and then how could you have done it better or what would you have done differently? Or if you took a different, we call it perch, you took a different perspective, you know, what do you see? And we, we, we by talking or coaching to people, we've, we help them get on a different perch. We help them either with empathy, you know, empathy, what did, what did that guest feel when this happened to them? Mm-hmm. You know, and the light bulb goes off and they go, oh, like, if I was a guest, I probably wouldn't like that. Yes. Or I probably wouldn't appreciate what, that, what I said to them. And they, they have the answers themselves. But as coaches, we help them see that and bring it out of them. What to you is hospitality? Wow. 
it's a big word. Um, it's a big word, but I, I think it goes, you know, back to um, serving each other, serving other people because you love to do it. You know, you really, really enjoy um, serving people and watching the joy on their face. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you go back to, you know, chefs that are really passionate about what they do, um, I love I love talking to people and, and, that, and that say that. And I said, do you ever go out into the dining room and talk to people? And the ones that say yes, and I go, well, why do you do that? Because I, I like to hear the comments. You know, I'm there to hear the great comments. It makes me feel good because I know I did a good job mm-hmm. when I make them feel happy, when, when they feel happy about the food I made for them. And if they didn't like it, it makes me a better chef. But when I talk to chefs and they say, no, I don't really do that. I kind of wonder, I scratch my head, like, so what's your purpose? Yeah. Well, I really like to create food. I'm a, I'm the creative person. Well, you can do that inside hospitality or not. Yeah. But you can do that anywhere to fulfill that passion. But that hospitality is this, is this true sense of making others happy, you know, through food and beverage and service. And, and the whole experience. Every, yeah. The vibe and the way it looks. Um, and everything else. Yeah, I think it's something that's so important. I mean, there's a reason why people fall in love with the hospitality business and industry, and that's it's because you've it's the way you make you feel, yeah. how you feel because you've helped someone else. Yep. Like you've impacted this family, and you've made this family's something something tragic could have happened in their yep. family, and they're coming to the restaurant, you know, just as a place to gather. Yep. But you need exactly. to teach your staff to understand what are the clues that are going to help you know that? Because every single table is different. Yeah. And that goes back to listening, listening. which you guys were talking about yeah. before. So listening is one of our key focus points when we, when we coach people. And so is perch, you know, is, is looking at things from a different perspective, mm-hmm. um, both from a management point of view and from a guest point of view, from your staff point of view, um, and knowing that just things really aren't totally black and white, you know, that there's this, we live in this whole big gray area and understanding the other side of where we stand is vitally important. Yeah. I think, um, you know, one of the things for me is just, it's, life is very short and the amount of time that we spend um, in the restaurant business. I mean, I, I remember growing up and, you know, living in La Jolla and my grandfather would wake me up to go work in Spring Valley at our breakfast restaurant. And you know, I was 12 years old, I didn't wanna go and do that. I didn't wanna go bust tables and right. wash dishes. It's like, Grandpa, why do we need to do this? And he he was teaching me work ethic, but he was also teaching me something more, is that you know, when I was there, I learned what it what hospitality really feels like. Yeah. When you welcome someone yeah. into your one home, you know, like we said, it's not front of the house, not back of the house, yep. it's home. You know, and how do you make them feel? How do they feel when they leave? That's something that will last forever. Yep. You know, that's, that's not, we're not building a transaction to make a profit right. and to turn it. We're building something that we're, we want to be in the community forever. And we want people to be proud that we're in the community, so proud that they need to tell other people about it. Right. It's, it's funny because um, people say this all the time. Politicians say it, comedians say it, people in entertainment say it. Um, everybody should work in hospitality. Yeah. At some point in their life, they, you can really understand you know, people. Yeah, um, it's a great, it's a great business to learn empathy. That's for sure. sure. I think that, well, there's so much going on because you're serving people, 
So you're serving all walks of life, but you're also working with all walks of life. Right. You know, and that's such an interesting dynamic. And you're dealing with something that is food. You know, it's so subjective. Right. <laughs> you know, what we're talking about is food and service. But when you look at someone's Yelp reviews, I mean, the call to action, the reason why most Yelp reviews are written in a one star is because someone felt ignored. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. Which and is nobody not That's the opposite of yeah. hospitality. So it's really how do we find examples and how do we deal with the world that we're living in, the digital world? How do a small business, a restaurant, how do you find ways to interact with the customer so that Amazon, you know, this Amazon experience that we're talking about, just right. before we started the podcast, we were talking about, you know, batteries, double A right. batteries. And, you know, I, when my son was born, my wife and I, we were, he has this favorite toy that he liked and it needed batteries. And she, you know, a couple nights in bed, we're like, oh, remember to stop by the store, you know, to get double A batteries. And, you know, a week went by and I still hadn't gotten the double A batteries. And we're like, we're just going to order it on Prime. And it arrived the next day. And like, exactly. that's the, like, that's the hospitality that Amazon's providing that other people aren't realizing. And that's the thing that we all need to collectively in our businesses address because websites, are they mobile friendly? How are you helping the guests when every single, no matter where you are in the world, there's a village and there's a place, an eatery, a bar, somewhere that you want to go, a barbershop. Just for just example, for daycare for my son, we were looking at daycare. We found the daycare that we wanted on Yelp. We went to their Yelp page. They had Yelp reviews. They had updated yep. photos. We went to their website. I Yelp their everything. website was easy for us to go and sign up to see a tour. Like all those things were easy and I did it all on, on mobile. And guess what? They have our business now. Yeah. And they've incorporated digital into their plan because they have an app where they show us what our son's done throughout the yeah. day. There was a photo. He did reading. He, you know, he did this. He did that. And for us, that's what we want. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm a because I'm a fringe millennial, and that's something <laughs> other people don't. You know, like they just want to trust that you know the person that I'm providing daycare is um, doing a good job. But for us, we we love to see it yep. because we see our son happy. Yep. We see him interacting with other kids. Exactly. We see him outside. Like we know that his teacher is doing an incredible job, and like that's they're on the cutting edge. Right. Other daycares, they might have incredible daycares. They might have incredible parents, teachers taking care of those kids. But if they don't understand that. In order to sustain, you need to get this information. Yeah, that on, digital online. space. You yeah. need to get online. Yeah, I mean, you are a fringe millennial, and I look at myself <laughs> as being like the oldest millennial. The on elder Earth. millennial. <laughs> but um, you know, we really, you know, this past year, we really wanted to get into. I wanted to get into keynote speaking. Yes. Right, and we were wondering. We were just trying to figure out and migrate. Like, how do we launch this? Like, how do we get this out there? And you know, we ended up doing a video, um, and um, ended up, you know doing an event for free just so that sure only for, mostly for the focus of getting this video yeah and when I did this event I was just focused on the video and it went off so well that there was you know there was a standing ovation and more people came and the room was crowded and I was like I didn't really realize what had happened because I was so focused on this video but then we we produced this video and then we posted it on social media yeah and it was a, a big relief and then we just felt like okay now there's this waiting game like Who's going to see it? Us. Who's going to contact right. us? And I swear to God, within 30 minutes, I got an email yeah. from somebody who just happened to be on social Searching. media yeah. when they probably shouldn't have been because they were at work. Sure. Right? And they saw the video and um, uh, it was the company was Compete and they're mm -hmm. like a huge hospitality accounting platform. Yeah. And they were having their um, user conference in Austin. And they saw the video and they want to 
they wanted us to speak. Yeah. And that's where the opportunity is. Yeah. And since then, you know, we've done four or five other events since then. Yeah. Just because of the video sure. and the platforms to present that video. And you have no idea what's going to happen, but it's going to happen. So tell us about that. Why? Why did you, why were you compelled to make the video? Oh, because we knew, we knew without it, if we didn't have it, that how are people going to know about the way that he speaks? Yeah. You know, you have to, you have to show people, right? So people, just like you said with the daycare, I mean, you want to know that like who, who your child is going to is going to take care of them during the day. Well, yeah. it's no different than if I'm going to hire a public speaker, I want to make sure the guy could do the job, yeah. right? So we had to have something that proved that he could do what he says he's going to do. And how did um, you produce the video? Yeah. Um, we had, uh, make a long story short, like we like looked for people that could do a video. Sure. And there was a, a guy that used to own yoga studios that trans, he always was into photography and video and things like that. And they did a lot of, he did a lot of video for this yoga studio. And we saw some of his videos. Awesome. And then we contacted him. And then it just so happens that our web designer used this person as well. Yep. So you end up knowing like a lot of people in our personal Shout space. out to Kirk Hensler, Hale Productions. Hale Productions. <laughs> yeah. He's um, awesome. He's awesome. Yeah. Um, and his wife, Alexis. And we caught him at a good time because he was launching his company and um, he, he was affordable for us. Yep. Um, and it was just it was just good timing. I mean, that's the you know, the most exciting thing is this intersection of marketing, media, business that's happening because of social media, because, you know, you guys came to the realization yep. that we need this video to present to actually get more business. Yes. You know, this podcast has allowed me to talk to people that I never thought I would ever be able to talk to and in a way that we can share their story that might impact somebody yep. that's on the other side of the world yeah, that's that hearing that's hearing this information, which yeah. is so cool. That you don't know. You don't you know. You just don't correct. know. But it's out there. It's out there, correct. Yeah. And you know, for me, getting us here you know, talking about this, bringing in Blue Vision Entertainment, who's recording this podcast, they're, you know, producing the video for YouTube. Um, it's so exciting because we get to go on different locations now with Digital Hospitality and go and have these conversations because they're important conversations. You, you said you said when you were talking that the person that found you, they were probably on social media when they were at work, right? probably when they shouldn't be. Right. But the crazy thing is, their work, wherever they work, should be on social media. Exactly. And they should be producing video content. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's the craziest yeah. thing yeah. that's happening. You know, it's yeah. like everyone's attention is on the phone. Yep. Everyone's, a, if you're, but if you're not on the phone, how are they possibly yeah. going to know you exist? Yeah. You know, and like that was for us why we're turning our restaurant into a media company, essentially right. becoming Cali BBQ Media, is because we want to teach other people, people. Yep. that there's opportunity. So it's, you know, if yeah. you own a business, there's opportunity for you to bring in people that you, I'm not an expert in podcasting, I'm not an expert in video, but we can have that conversation and we can learn from people and we can find other networks. And it's amazing how small the world is. Yeah, well, here's the thing about hospitality, because you asked me what like, hospitality is, mm -hmm. and you told the story about how we met you know, yes. through the California Restaurant Association and FIT and how we've stayed connected yeah. since that day. Well, the easy thing was is not to stay connected. Yes. Like, why do I have to stay in contact with you? Sure. And why do you stay in contact with me? You know, and I remember like when we opened up, uh, when I opened up the food hall and you came by and <laughs> gave you a tour of the whole underbelly and how everything worked. Correct. Like, like why did we do that? You know, because there was this instant connection because we believed in the same things. Yes. 
right? Well, this this guy from Compete, his name is David Knapper, and I met David Knapper maybe 15 years ago, and he was peddling um, in the POS industry, the, the point of sale point of sale industry. Um, it was called um, Waiter Pad, I think it was a company, and they were out of Australia, and it was this true handheld. Wow, really? We, yeah, back then. 15 years ago? 15 years ago. Wow, that's cutting edge. And um, <laughs> the, the restaurant I was consulting with was an Australian-type restaurant with barramundi and Australian food and Australian architect and interiors, so it made sense to do this. Well, for some reason, David Knapper and I stayed in contact all these years, and that's why we were friends Correct. on Facebook, and that's where the video was posted. Wow. Right? So he had a large part in helping me get that gig. Sure. And here's the funny story is, I'm standing there, I'm about ready to go on stage, and the director of marketing is standing there with me in this 250, 300 people in this room in Austin, Texas. The lights are down, you know, um, the room is dark, there's a spotlight, the stage is beautiful. And she says to me, so you do this all the, you do this all the time, right? <laughs> And I, and I go, well, what do you mean? She goes, you speak to people all the time. I go, yeah, I speak to people every, every day. <laughs> and she goes, no, like you, you speak in front of a group of people. And I go, yeah, we coach people every day and we do coaching sessions, you know, online. And she goes, no, like in a room like this. And she like looks, you're a public speaker. Yeah, like you're and getting she looks into paid this room, to publicly speak. You're yeah, like this massive uh... room of people. And I go, oh, you mean like in a room like this? And I go, well, to be honest with you, I go, this is my first time. Oh my God. And she goes, oh my God. Good go, on you for the I go, honesty. I go, I go, don't worry about it. I'm going to nail it. <laughs> awesome. And just then, like it was our time to go up on stage, but I can tell like she was just about ready to have a nervous a breakdown. Brain. What did we just do? Yeah. What happened? Did I make the right did decision? Did I just trust this guy, you know, blindly? That's you know, amazing. But it was great. You know, it was great. And we, we got clients from that, from that group and, you know, things have been snowballing. So, but so. yeah, to add to that though, like you were saying, you were mentioning that because of you know things online we're able to do our virtual workshops online Amazing. so all of our leadership workshops that we do we do them through a platform called zoom yep. um, and people just meet virtually yeah. with us and we're able to actually have our workshops for awesome. all pe yeah. for people from all over the world can join in which That's is great. so cool yeah. and so important yeah too. and we have workshops with with I'm gonna call them students you know from from New Jersey New York you know, through Louisiana, mm -hmm. you know, through San Diego and up, up Northern California, and they're all on at the same time. Yeah. Um, and it, and you, computer screens up and you can see their little faces pop up. And That's sometimes so cool. if you don't see their face, you know, they've had a rough morning. <laughs> right. Right. But they're there, you know, and, you know, we go through uh, a classroom type discussion um, and it's it's pretty fluid, so they're able to ask questions in between, and people are able to learn from the answers from other people ask questions. And then, at the end of class, just like any other college class, some people click off and they're they're on to their day in their restaurant. Some people stay for a good, you know, fifteen twenty minutes of question and answer. Um, and it's sometimes it's people stay after class and talk to the teacher. Yeah, right. And it's it's great. That's awesome. And I think uh, I, I want to go back to the opening of the food hall because it's really important and uh, share a story with you. So Sam, the cooking guy, was our first repeat guest on Behind the Smoke. I love that guy. Um, so we met Sam uh, because of the Del Mar Barbecue Festival that we put on up at uh, the Del Mar Thoroughbred Club. He was a partner with the radio station, um, 101.5 KGB, and he was doing things also, they were doing things with Del Mar. So 
they had him as a celebrity. Obviously, I know him, having grown up in San Diego, Emmy Award winning, yep. you know, incredible cook that has just done incredible things in San Diego. Um, but he contacted me and as the organizer of the event, he goes, well, I want to find out, I want to talk to the organizer. So he, he contacted me and it was within one minute that I knew that I loved this guy. Like I loved, cause he went, he cut the bullshit. He's yeah. like, this is, I don't want to deal with, I don't want to talk to a PR person. I don't want to talk to a marketing person. I want to talk to you and I want you to tell me why I should be at this event. And like right at that moment, I knew that I, I, I admired him yeah. for his honesty, but I also loved him. Yep. Um, he came on behind the smoke the first time and you know, he's published four books, did an incredible job. Uh, we joked about him well, why haven't you opened up a restaurant? He goes, tells us his whole story. Um, we're going to put those episodes in the show notes because they're incredible. But he tells us, you know, I haven't opened up a restaurant. We had him back on right before he opened uh, Not Not Tacos yeah. at, um, in the, uh, Little Italy. Yep. So we had him on. He was telling us, you know, the whole journey of getting the restaurant open, you know, all the challenges that he had. Um, and then we said, well, you know, I'll make sure I'll, I'm there opening day. And as a restaurant owner, you know, people make promises all the time in life. They say they're going to do things. But for me, I find it important with when you meet those special people in life that if you say you're going to do something, do it. So no matter what, I made sure that on opening day, I was going to be down in Little Italy. And I went with Derek Walls, who's one of our pit masters um, at Cali. And we went down there. We waited huge lines. You know, we're watching Sam on Instagram, mm -hmm. doing Instagram lives. We're watching him on Twitter. We're watching him on Facebook. Um, the lines are growing. And, you know, he has an emotional moment, you know, that he just really started looking back. And, you know, he, he, he admitted he was just like, I... I was taken in because of all that I had accomplished. Like this was the time. All the lines open up. We start going in. Everyone's ordering tacos, like all these incredible tacos. Right when I walk in, I look to the left and it's Howard Solomon. <laughs> and I looked at you right when I looked at you, I was like, Sam will do amazing. This location will succeed because you are here. You were behind the line, running the line as the chief and I, I, I was told, probably a wreck, right? I t you, you, were, you, you were an organized wreck. We served like a let's, thousand let's tacos call, in three hours. Let's call it an organized wreck. <laughs> but right when I saw you, I was so happy for him knowing that he had somebody that had his back that understand restaurants. And, um, you know, I told Sam the story. I actually called him yesterday and told him that we were going to have this interview. And I told him the story. And he, you know, he kind of got choked up. It's like, you know, well, you know, how do how do you feel about Howard? And he said that, um, that you're the sour cream to his gochang. <laughs> is, that, is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> he said, he said to put it better, you complete him. And, um, I don't think, you know, for someone that is just, he has a million YouTube subscribers. Yeah. So, you know, he brought Max, his son into his production. And when he did that, his YouTube channel took off. Yeah. Um, he will be another guest on the podcast again, but him and his son, um, and he's just so incredible. He's going to have such a big impact and he's only getting started, which is the greatest thing. Um, he does want to know why you can't get rid of the small plates. Okay. Those fucking small plates. He says, yeah, why can't we get rid of them? I'm cheap. <laughs> <laughs> They're cost effective and I want Sam to make money. Yes. So explain, I mean, that's, that's the, 
the thing that people don't understand about the restaurant business is that you can have these great ideas, you can have this great vision, but you need the operations and the culture and all of the other pieces behind it. Because no matter what you want to do, it's got to get produced in order to feed those thousands of people right. that want tacos. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many small nuances in that part. And I'll tell you, I was with Sam this morning because you know we get together every month and we examine you know what's working and what's um, you know what tacos are selling a lot and the financial structure, its food cost, and you know who we're buying from and how much we're buying it for, and we examine all those things. And plus. The cool thing is, is, is he develops a new taco, and then he asks me what I think of it. <laughs> um, and no so pressure. There's, and that's where the that's where the, the honest, tastings are always so much fun. There are, and that's where the, the that's where the honesty comes in, you know, and that's why we work well together. Um, and you know, people can say what they want to say about Sam that he's not a chef, and they're wrong. He is a chef. Oh, hundred percent. He may not have he may not have gone to, you know, culinary school and. He may not wear a white coat and, you know, he may not throw pants and scream and throw knives like other chefs, you know, but he's a chef. I mean, he's 100%. a highly innovative, creative guy and he's got an amazing palate. Anybody that um, says he's not a chef has a problem with titles. Yeah. I mean, we, in the barbecue, we have the people say they're a pit master, whether they're a pit master or not. Like at the end of the day, are they, are they a leader? Yeah. Are they a leader? Are they doing something that is it admirable yep like this, that's really that's all that matters and he's so incredibly passionate about what he does and so am i yes you know and i want his i want people to love his food mm -hmm. you know not just because sam thinks it's great because they think it's great too mm -hmm. and he's got to make money absolutely you know so there's this financial piece to it you know and just a couple the small plates is one of them right so sam wants to put um, it, it's only it's hilarious yeah. because I have these same discussions with my general manager and business partner Eric at the restaurant because I want to do things but it's not cost effective for him to do it and to do it on a scale right. so it's like when Sam told me about the little plates yeah. I'm like oh that's hilarious so Sam wants to put this little five inch taco on a big plate I'm like no you can't do that that big plate is for two tacos yes it, you know it's cost effective and if, and if if our cashiers can sell three tacos and put three tacos on one plate, that's even greater. Yes. Like, that's fantastic, let's do that all the time. But no, you can't put one taco on a big plate. <laughs> you know, and, No matter how it looks on Instagram. Right, and, and, and you know, I'll, I'll plug a product real quick, um, but there's this Japanese male called Kewpie, uh -huh. right? Have you seen it? No. it? It's the best mayonnaise on planet Earth. Really? It's so delicious, and it is so expensive, <laughs> right? And he wants to make like, curry egg salad and his tuna fish with this mayonnaise. I'm like, you can't do that. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, once you put the eggs and the spice and the celery and everything else that goes into egg salad and, and tuna sure. fish salad, like you're not going to tell whether it's cupy or not. Yeah. Like I'll get a great well, mayonnaise. Well, you might at Sam's house. At Sam's come, house. If you yeah. come over for a, a dinner. Right. When you're feeding guest number 600, yeah. you know, at 7 p.m. on a Friday, yeah. you might not. So we have the small plate joke, we have the QP mayonnaise joke, and it's like this ongoing thing that keeps the conversation lively and friendly and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's you know, so exciting. We're about, I probably shouldn't say this, um, but we're about ready to put some things on a, on a secret menu. Good. Um, and we launched uh, Tater Tots um, oh, really? a while ago. You got deep fryers? Uh, yeah. Wow. Yep. And um, Sam made the seasoning, and then we can you can add cheese to it, which is the same cheese that we use for the mac and cheese taco uh, with smoked pork. Um, but he wanted to, we want to have like this 
cool thing just for like the neighborhood that they just know about this stuff. So he, we created these loaded tots, mm -hmm. uh, which are fantastic. Um, and I did the cost out on it, and I think we should charge eight fifty. And everybody thinks that that price is too high. No, it's not. And I said, listen, I go, once people eat it and they share it, they're gonna love it. It's actually too cheap. So <laughs> well, I, 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 would, I would need to look, but I mean, that's cheap. Yeah, and, that, and I say, at that point, price doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's a it's fifteen dollars or twenty dollars worth of tear. It's eight fifty. Yeah. And people, if people love it and they crave it, they'll pay for it. Absolutely. And it it's not that we're, you know, it comes in at, at right at the food cost that it should come in. So it's not like we're gouging, mm -hmm. you know, the guest or the customer. It's coming in right where it needs to be. It's like right in that sweet spot. Correct. Um, and that's where it should be. It has to be. You know, that's the only price that matters. Yeah, is the correct food cost price. Right. That's it. So, and if it doesn't sell, then it gets you know repositioned or it gets off the menu. That's right. I mean, but or you have to have, Yeah, you, you have to yeah. have those honest conversations yeah. and and look at things, yeah. no matter how much you might love an item. And if if we're true to being in hospitality, and we have a we have a conversation with somebody about those those loaded tots, we should be able to to. Tell them how much we love it, and yeah. if we love it, they'll love it too. Correct. And that's part of that hospitality world as well. Yeah. So when are you guys starting your podcast? <laughs> We're going to launch it by the end of the year. By the end of the year. We yeah. are working on it. Weekly yeah. podcast? We haven't gotten that far yet. Yeah. Okay, my so, advice is weekly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. highly encourage it because you guys have so much wisdom. I mean, the amount of things that I've learned just in our limited time together, um, you know, watching you present to the students, um, I learned something obviously sitting at breakfast um, today, and I think it's just something that's really exciting to have people with your experience and background going out and helping um, restaurants, restaurant groups, hospitality groups, because it's important. I mean, people will continue to do business, but business will change, yep. and people have to make that connection to understand that how do we make something that works for our phone for ordering online but someone still has to go pick it up yep and how are they going to get Absolutely. treated when they get picked up how is it going to feel when they open up the bag and there isn't you know syrup for pancakes that they ordered like that's digital hospitality you better figure that out yeah you better come with checklists and you better figure out how that stuff is going to work yeah. because it's got it's got to right yeah. and you know, I, I refer to myself, you're on the fringe, I'm the oldest millennial. <laughs> but if you're not pivoting and, mi and migrating and maneuvering around the world that we live in now, you're going to be left in the dust. Yeah. So if you're not being a student of the digital world mm -hmm. um, and all those platforms that we talked about today from Yelp, you know, to Zoom, to, you know, even Instagram, Instagram and all Twitter, those things, Twitter, then you're you're gonna fall behind. Yeah. You're gonna fall behind and, and your competition will, will eat you up. Sure. Um, it's a great learning tool um, and it's something that you have to embrace. Well, I mean, when, we, when, I'm, when I'm at home, eventually voice home devices and are gonna be so predominant that I'm gonna say, I want barbecue. Yeah. If Cali Comfort doesn't come up and you're within our service area, yeah. then I'm doing a bad job as a restaurant yeah. owner. You know, as the CEO, the C, you know, the chief visionary officer, I need to make sure that we're relevant. Yeah. You know, otherwise we won't be. Yeah. And we won't and be in business. If you think about it, all the all the places that didn't adapt from self serve, you know, you know, pump your own gas yep. 
to ATM machines, those businesses that didn't have those things, you know, where do they go? They're gone. They're gone. Yeah. Right. And it it, ha- it happens all throughout the history of our life. It keeps happening, but we keep ignoring it. Right. Netflix happened to Blockbuster, yeah. and we thought it was a joke. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. There's some you know CDs that come in the mail. Like, no, look what Netflix is now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, look what Amazon and is we, now. It was a bookstore. We did it, but we came store. around at some point. Yeah. We did it when we didn't want to switch to to the iPhone. Right. <laughs> but we, we did we all have those. We all have those. You know. Right. But eventually, we did. Yeah. You get you, over you, it. You, you see. You somebody see tells you, "Hey, get over it." Yep. And you see the vision. Yeah. And, and, and then once you do it, you go, "Oh wow." It's not that bad. It's empowering. You actually say, oh, wow, this is better than I thought. Oh, wow, this is great. I mean, look at these opportunities. Right. Yeah. Well, and also to add to the whole digital hospitality is, you know, you look at restaurants now who are even introducing like their staff, you know, like via Instagram and they're yeah. maybe like doing like Absolutely. little things about their staff. I love and that. And their stories. Celebrate their yeah, stories. Yeah, they do like a story about them and then what a great way for you to sort of get to know somebody mm-hmm. before you even go to the restaurant or, or you, yeah, you know, you go in and ask for them. So I love that whole aspect that people are starting to become more creative. Sure. It's not necessarily just about the food because... Your whole experience at the restaurant is... It's a recruiting tool, too. If if I was going out looking for a restaurant job, I would want to make sure that whatever restaurant, they were relevant on social. Exactly. If you're not relevant on social, why would I want to work there? Exactly. And I I think what people don't realize is that it, it... just because maybe the owner doesn't know how to do a post or mm-hmm. whatever, and they're, they're not understanding social media, they have so many people that work for them yes. that are, I'm sure, willing to raise their yeah. hand and say, "I'm here, I'll help you." You know, that's, let me let me do it. You know, let me take yeah. it over. So key, yeah. and I th- that's the the biggest key is that every single person, no matter what where you are and w- what you're doing. If you want to learn, you can be add so much value if you start learning stuff that people aren't willing to do exactly. in your company. Yep. yep. Because and you'll unlock all kinds of magic that, that they never realized existed. Yep. yep. And that's part of what we do is we in our teaching with these leaders is we talk to them about empowering people. Mm-hmm. So you know you have someone on your staff that is capable of doing that. Let them do it. Go yep. give them the ropes. Trust them. Yep. You know we we love when people when they do that because then it it's, takes something else off their it's plate. It's a huge fear that and people it gives them more have. Space. It's a fake it does. fear. Yeah. Like, everyone's going to see this Instagram post and like, you know, they're going to judge our company. Well, the, the reality is they probably won't see it. And you probably need to post a lot more. Exactly. <laughs> because if you post a lot more, other opportunities will happen. That's yeah. right. And just, just a great story. I mean, part of, you ask what hospitality is. Well, part of it's storytelling. Yeah. You're telling stories about your restaurant and how it came about. You're telling stories about your staff. You're telling stories about your food, where it came from. The you community. Know, the community. The things that are happening, why and, people are coming in. Right. And it's it's a great storytelling platform is the hospitality space. Yep. But I, I want to tell you one story because it's, it's really great as far as digital marketing goes. I have, I have a friend of mine. His name is Griffin Thal. And I met Griffin. Uh, he was in college. And he was a DJ that went to clubs. And he would bring people from college on buses to your bar or restaurant while he played music. And awesome. it was a great way for you to grow your I business. I like him already. <laughs> right? And so he was working at a, at, a, at, a, at a bar and restaurant that I was associated with in PB. And he was, you know, um, I was part of the team that hired him. I love that guy. He had like great enthusiasm. And he, he was really passionate about what he was doing. I mean, his goal was not to play music at a club. His goal was to make other businesses thrive through his vehicle, mm-hmm. right? Which is his network of friends and playing music and, and that sort of thing. So he tells me that he's graduating college and he's gonna go to Costa Rica for a couple of weeks as a graduation present. And if he could have the time off. I'm like, 
dude, have a, take three weeks off. Yeah. Like, go have a good time. You did a great job for the business. I love what you've done. You've earned it. You, you graduated college, you know, congratulations, go have a great time. So while he's in Costa Rica, he meets these artisan bracelet makers, you know, that hand weave these small, you know, bracelets. Yeah. And he loved those guys. He says, I love to bring these bracelets back to the California where I'm from and sell them. So he cuts out a, a deal with these guys to make bracelets. Skip to seven years. The guy builds a business. He's in retailers. He builds a huge, huge online business mm-hmm. where he gets young people to get a link, sell his bracelets. They get a little cut. Influencers. You know, yeah. influencers. Yeah. My daughter was one of them. Wow. You know, she got a ton of product. There you go. Pure Vita. Pure Vita. Wow. A ton of product cool. and got discounts. I don't, I don't have one. Just a Bulgarian. We'll, have to give we'll you get you a Bulgarian we'll get you one. So. About a month ago, uh, Griffin and his partner Paul sell the company for $130 million. $130 million? Yep. No way. Yep. Because of his Costa Rica trip and yeah. his, his drive. And he, his, he, dri- his drive to make others succeed. Yeah. And he posts on LinkedIn and social media like th- this rating says, I'm not quite sure where it comes from. And as far as like online retailers. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is always like in the top five. Yeah. Small bracelet company yep. based here in La Jolla, just down the street. $130 Local million. surfer guy. Yep. College grad that just had this great vision and worked his ass off mm-hmm. every day. You know, and he built this brand on social media. Yep. I mean, it's one of the things you have to stay curious and you have to get involved. Yep. I mean, you, you can be curious, but if you don't get involved and you don't do the work, Nothing's going to happen, and no one's going to do it for you. Yep. And that's that's the bottom line. And it doesn't magically happen, correct? But once you put it out there, you don't know what's going to happen, so you might as well just do it. Well, I can't. I'm so grateful that we met. Obviously, I'm so grateful um, that you're here locally, um, but also that you're spreading your message on the internet, and that you guys are going to start a podcast. Uh, how can people find you? We will touch. let you know, and then you can tell all of your people oh, for yes. the podcast. Yes. But as far but as for now, as they for can now, find they us can... at. Oh, sorry, misunderstood <laughs> you. No, no, yeah. They can find us at SolomonLeaders.com. Um, they can follow us on Instagram as well. We are Solomon Leaders. Perfect. So, and Solomon is all O's. S O L O M O N. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Everything we talked about will be in the show notes, and uh, we look forward to talking to you guys next week. Awesome. Thank Thank you you very much. much. We're so grateful for you and all the things that you do. Thank you. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the interview with Howard and Deborah Solomon from Solomon 2.0. Here's this week's trivia question. At what restaurant brand did Howard and Deborah meet? Email us the answer and you could win a custom Cali barbecue mug. If you are interested in sponsoring or partnering with the show, please email us at podcast at calibbq.media and let's talk. Thanks for listening and learning with Digital Hospitality. Be sure to tune in next week for our interview with Chans Rock, the food and beverage manager of the new Carte Hotel in San Diego's Little Italy neighborhood. Thanks for listening and learning with Digital Hospitality. (laughs) 